In a not-so-stable world, it is crucial to amplify the right message. At the Stream Grace Network, our goal is to do just that. We are adding to our stable of podcasters every month, and we are growing. This is where you come in. We want to share in that growth. If you are a small business owner looking to grow your business, we'd love it if you'd consider allowing one of our podcasters to endorse you, your products, or services. The best part is that endorsement will never stop running in any episode it is a part of, ever. This is a unique and rare benefit in digital advertising. We want everything we do to be uplifting and to encourage positive growth. And we'd love to partner with you. For more information, visit us online at StreamGrace.com or email us at support at StreamGrace.com. God bless. You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Thanks for joining us on the Renewed You Podcast. We're here to help you discover how mental, physical, and spiritual health combine to help you live your best life. We want to give you hope, tools, and encouragement because the world needs a renewed you. Now, here's your host, John Yule. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to Renewed You. We are glad that you are with us today. Today's episode is sponsored by New Life Church, a new church that is launching in South Oklahoma City early in 2021. We encourage you to check them out at newlifeokc.org. Well, today I have a very special guest with me today. This uh, lady um, has become very dear to me in the last, oh, eight months or so. Um, I even have a little pet nickname for her, Um, and uh, she's just a great lady. She is a counselor, a licensed counselor, and does a lot of work in ministry, uh, helping people to become the best version of themselves. And so I'm excited to introduce Mama Margaret Callahan, who is with us today. Hey, (laughs) Margaret, how are you? (laughs) I'm doing good. Hi, Johnny. Pastor Johnny, how are you? (laughs) I'm doing all right. You sound sound better. I feel better. For those of you that don't know, um, I contracted the uh, horrible COVID um, sickness, and I've been down for over three weeks and um, I am learning that overcoming it on the backside, once you're clear, uh, kind of building your strength back up, I think is worse than having the whole thing. So um, that's what she's referencing. But uh, I at least sound better today. I feel better right now. And uh, so thank you very much for that. Well, Margaret is a, a fantastic lady. Uh, she does counseling here in Oklahoma City. Um, she leads women's groups. Um, she just she has her hands in a lot of different different fires. But today, I wanted to introduce her to you because she's going to become a recurring guest here on Renewed You as uh, we start hitting some big topics here in the next several several episodes. So, uh, Margaret, why don't you just tell us a little bit about you? Well, at the beginning, I guess, is where you begin. And, That's a good, uh, good spot. Into, yeah, I was born into a very dysfunctional home. Uh, I was the unexpected baby of five. And at a very young age, I was, a, I was already a very broken child. And uh, I married young. 
and I gave my heart to Jesus about when I was about when I was 17. But it was years later before I made Jesus Lord of my life. So, and so a difference there between accepting Him as Savior and and having Him as Lord, and we'll we'll get into some of that that later on. But there is a distinction there, isn't there? Yes, there is definitely. Well, before you and, go any um, farther, let me just jump in and ask you a question right here. Um, what do you mean by the term a dysfunctional home? Well, um, I had a very um, functional <laughs> uh, alcoholic dad. Uh, I experienced some uh, sexual abuse. And uh, so, yeah, broken. In a lot of ways, uh, I lived with a pervasive sense of shame most of my life. Um, and it kind of set me out, set me up to just live way beneath what I knew God wanted for me. And that's, I, I, I think mostly I found that when I made Jesus Lord and, you know, I was able to really pursue and, and, you know, follow him in the word and, uh, in the spirit. Well, how did you so mention, you mentioned shame there. And I think there's a lot of people that are listening today that, um, maybe in their, their own life, they may not recognize areas of shame that they have. Um, you know, cause sometimes with shame, we try to ignore those areas. Um, how did shame affect you? How would you help someone to identify shame within their own life? Well, I think most people would refer to it as a low self-esteem. That's kind of where people go. Um, shame to me was like a coat that was put on me and it was almost like it was Velcroed onto me, onto my skin. There was, I spent, even after I became a Christian, even after I, you know, really began to seek the Lord, even after I um, just became spirit-filled, any, everything that I did, I kept thinking that it would go away, and it wouldn't go away. So it held me back. It kept me from reaching my potential. I felt like I... Uh, wasn't worth. I didn't have much self-worth and value. Um, I think, especially in dysfunctional families, you grow up with the idea that you're not enough or you're you're lacking something. There's there's something that's been taken away, and that's identity. And I think a lot of Christians live way be- below what God has intended when we when he talks about abundant life because we just really don't know our identity uh, in him, our identity it being in Christ. Right. Um, you talked about selfish or shame being like a coat. Um, in what areas specifically in your life did shame affect for you? I, I think relationship more than anything. 
you know, your relationships just, you have a lot of conflict, a lot of um, uh, areas where you just don't connect. It's that uh, lack of connectedness that we have with, with individuals. And that's, and that's really where we get wounded is in relationships. And it's actually where we get healed. Yeah, isn't that um, isn't that kind of interesting that the place that most of us in our lives experience deep wounds that affect us for years is usually in yeah. areas of relationships, and then we back away from relationships, and yet we are designed for relationships and have to get in new relationships to get over the hurt of the old relationships. Absolutely. <laughs> It's just kind of weird. And I, I and I, I put it, yeah, I put it this way. Um, I had a father wound. I had a mother wound. And I learned that I had to find people in the body of Christ who could actually reparent me and speak to those areas where I was broken, those areas where I didn't have that bond, those areas where words and you know were just like curses put on me that held me uh, i can remember my mother it seemed like her favorite way way of saying something was well margaret you just don't know what you're doing and she would say it about very important things like serving jesus <laughs> and uh you know, she would she would criticize me in ways that made me feel like I was not very smart. And then having three brothers and an older sister, I you know they they treated me like I was a child, which made me also feel like I wasn't smart. Um. So through the years, that's just kind of how I felt. Now I I started college when I was thirty six. Wow. And I, I guess people call me a late bloomer. Is that what they call me? <laughs> <laughs> and when I started college at 36, I had already realized who I was in Christ, but I still hadn't gotten over that feeling that I wasn't very smart. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to work really hard to uh, get the get the degree. Um, but I can remember... One time in particular, I was actually going home, and I had taken a statistics test. And on the way home, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me, and he said, when are you going to realize that you're not stupid? Hmm. And I had to think that all the things that I was accomplishing in college, you know, and all the tests that I was taking and passing, and, and it was almost like, he, well, he did what, what we do in counseling. We help people to see the truth, uncover the lie, see the truth, and change your perspective. Right. And my perspective was changed that day. I finally, I finally got it, you know. <laughs> but it was a long struggle to overcome those words and that um, feeling that I had. And so I had a mother wound and 
what healed that more than anything was I was a part of Women's Aglow International, and uh, I had met a lady that became a um, Bible study teacher in my home, and she later became my mentor, and I endearly, endearly called her um, my mom in the Lord. And there were so many things that she said to me and uh, prophesied to me and built me up. And that's really what healed that mother was. So for people that have had relational issues and that want to Uh back away from relationships, because I think for a lot of us, um, we don't, we, we are hurt. We don't want to be hurt anymore. And so we think by backing right. away from people and kind of living isolated that we're actually protecting ourselves, which, which really that is a protective um, act, but it doesn't help us yes. get over the very thing that we're trying to be protected of. We have to yes. allow other people into our lives um, to help us heal in those areas. And you, you talk about a father wound and a mother wound. I, I guess you're meaning that you were wounded by those people. Yes. And I think a lot of people can identify with growing up in a home where maybe the dad was very authoritarian, uh, maybe disciplined Mm -hmm. in an extreme way. Um, But just Mm -hmm. as dysfunctional as a home where where the mom is is so degraded that she has basically no influence at all in the home. That's not a not a positive uh, home life either for kids to grow up in. And I think. I wonder in your practice, how many times do you deal with people who think that their dysfunctional, to use your word, dysfunctional home life is isolated to them. And then they realize that there's a whole lot of us that don't, didn't grow up in perfect homes. I mean, is that, is there light bulb moments when people realize that? Yeah, but I I think it's, I think it's because you uncover areas in their life that they didn't really realize was because of their bringing up. You know, a lot of us, we we don't really dig deep enough and see the root of our brokenness. We just see the fruit of it. Give me an example and of what you're meaning. The, I know what you're meaning, but for other people that are listening, what do you mean by this? You seeing the fruit of the wound um, and, and they, yet they don't really get to the root cause. Give me an example. Well, we deal with, um, you know, when people come to come to counsel with me, we're really dealing with uh, behavior a lot of times, which you mentioned anger. Uh, and we don't really, we don't know where the root of that is. And through counseling, we uncover those areas. And... Um, I'm thinking of one counselee in, in particular. His anger was just pervasive. I mean, it was just everything um, made him angry. And we did we did some counselling, and he realized that it's it's it was rooted in his relationship with his stepfather, who was very abusive. And once that was healed, and he was able to forgive and release that, his anger just dissolved. It's it's amazing how the enemy 
build strongholds in our hearts and in our in our soul that plague us all of our lives until we really have the revelation of it and are able to deal with the root of it. Because behind every brokenness, behind every wound that we have or pain that we carry is a spirit. And those spirits just continue to provoke. And, you know, I I hear people say, well, I don't know why I did that. (laughs) And truly they don't. They Mm -hmm. don't know why they act like they do. So fruit, you know, fruit on the tree behavior always, you can always track it back to the root. And I think for a lot of people, they don't realize that how much hurt drives behavior. Um, If there's areas in in our lives that we want to address or we want to change, um, uh, a lot of times we just try to change the the behavior. And I think that's what you're getting at is that that's kind of how our culture is, is, um, especially in America with our capitalistic culture, you want to see what I'm talking about. Just watch late night television. How many different products are out there that promise to help you drop weight. And yet the main Mm -hmm. reason, and those are, those are behaviors but the real root cause why most of us are overweight is because we're not consistent. We eat bad food. We drink soda drinks. We fill ourselves with sugar and salt and we wonder why we're gaining weight. Well, all those other products are dealing with the behavior, but they're not dealing with the root. And the only way to really change your life is mm-hmm. to go all the way to those, those things. So if hurt, so what you're saying is what you do through counseling is people come in and they're talking about their behavior to use our terms, right. a behavior that they want to change in their life, whether it's they want their marriage to, to get better or they want to find uh, freedom in the area of how they think or a specific area of their life. And they're looking at the behavior, but yet what you do in counseling is help them to get to the real hurts that's driving those behaviors. Mm-hmm. Do you find that that takes time for people to accept that there's there's some deeper hurt Um that, that they need to deal with? And if so, why do, do some people resist that kind of discovery? Well, I, I, time, um, time varies, but time varies based on whether you're willing to do the work or not and whether you're willing to experience and go through. It, it, it's painful to address a lot of those areas. And just like you said earlier, people resist relationship because they don't want to get hurt again, but they also resist counseling because they don't want to hurt and they don't want to address things. Um, I have a a different philosophy probably than most people as far as counseling goes, because I I don't have an agenda. And if somebody comes in, I have a specific target and it's it's where those roots lie and i will i've I've already mentioned father wound mother wound sibling or other wound Mm -hmm. and spouse wound and those are really the only four there's that there's really it's simple it's those four areas 
where we are harmed by relationships. And if we, if we look at how they're processing life in general, um, if you have a father wound, it's very hard to relate to the father God. Sure. If you have a, uh, if you have a sibling wound, it's hard to relate to Jesus. And if you have a mother wound, it's hard to relate to the Holy Spirit because each one of those, their functions are exactly what, where we, where we got, where we were broken in the first place. So I want to know how their relationship to God is first. And then I can kind of see where, you know, where they have, what, what we do is we, we wear glasses and, uh, you know, those glasses can be different depending on how your behavior is. Uh, some of us wear very dark glasses, um, because we deal with a lot of depression and anxiety. Uh, some of us wear blue glasses where we're, sad, but not necessarily depressive, but we just don't have joy. Some of us have pink ones where we just think it's all Pollyanna and, oh, yeah, I'm okay. I'm fine. You know, when we know we're not. (laughs) And our distorted glasses come in because we really need to renew our mind. Right. And that's really what, what, uh, our ministry, what how we started it, was recreation, which is transformation, and it's transformed, you know, by changing our mind. Uh, you can't have that though without some healing. And the way I I see it is different. Is I really believe that God has given me the tools to heal damaged emotions, and that's. That's the crux of what I do. I, you know, some people can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Well, I like I I use my tools to heal those damaged emotions. Well, at some point, you obviously got over your shame. Let's kind of put a pin in that for a minute. At some point, you got over your shame and got over uh, relational issues, and obviously, you had to find love somewhere in your life, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, talk to me about about uh, your uh, how how you progressed once you got got healed and how that affected the rest of of your life up to this point. Well, you're talking about the love that I found in in the Father. Oh, I'm talking about Jesus. just in relationships with with somebody. Oh, okay. Well, I told you I got married young. Right. Um, I was married for 44 years. Um, he was a very good man. He loved God. He even heard from God, which was amazing sometimes. I didn't think I heard from God, but he did. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, he died. Um, actually, in three days, it will have been 11 years since wow. he died of cancer. And uh, I went through a very, very dark time in my life. Um I didn't like the idea of being a widow. I was 60 at the time, and I certainly didn't like the idea of being a widow. But, you know, I went from my father's house to 
being married, so I had never been alone. I'd never been on my own, and I didn't have, I didn't handle alone very well. Um, I wasn't in church, and I didn't, I did have some good relationships that were uh, Christian relationships, but I really, I really was alone for for the first time, and I I really went through some uh, some hard places with sin and just not being right with God and, you know, just the grief process itself. So that was all tied to losing your husband. Yes. And so even in that dark moment, you kind of drew away from, from God and, and even uh, the church. Um, I think there's a lot of people that can identify with that. Maybe there's some people that are listening right now that are going through kind of that dark time. What was it that brought you mm-hmm. out of that? Cause obviously you're, knew, you're involved in a church now. Right. Right. And I knew two things. I knew that I had to get back to church because I had to get back to, um, community and I had to find those relationships, um, that, would build me back up, you know, like I, like Mm -hmm. I talked about, you know, those relationships that put something into you. And, um, I knew going back to church that, and I don't know if God spoke this to me or if I, if it was just something that I knew from my past, but I knew that I could praise my way out of grief Hmm. If I would just apply myself. What do you mean praise your way out of grief? um, I had to put my focus on God's goodness rather than on my situation. Okay. And I would, I would literally go to church and I only knew like one couple there and I didn't know them very well, but I would literally go to church and stand during praise and worship and cry the whole time. But I was determined that I was going to lift my hands and I was going to sing the songs and I was going to praise. And at at one, uh, one meeting that I was in, um, I went up to the front and I just got on my knees and I was just weeping uncontrollably and um, someone came up to, you know, to pray with me. And at some point, something just broke, I broke off of me, broke inside me, broke me. I don't, I don't really know, but something just broke. And I started laughing. And it confused her. And she said, are you laughing? And I said, yes. And I was crying and laughing at the same time. <laughs> because I knew that that morning was was broken off of me, and I'll explain that. There's a difference between grief and mourning. Um, I actually think what I do in counseling is dealing with grief, because all these broken areas have to do with loss. Right. And you've lost something 
that you're wanting to gain back. And in Jesus, we give him, you know, our burden and he gives us back his, his righteousness, his joy. But um, grief is always going to be there if you've lost something. I learned this from my grief counselor when I, when my husband passed. Grief is attached to your heart, your emotions, and your mind and your memories. So you'll always grieve, but you don't always have to mourn. That's the part that's outside that, you know, you see the tears and you see the depression and all that. So mourning can be turned into dancing. And at that point in my life on the floor, (laughs) just praising God and seeking God, he broke that mourning off of me. And that's when I began to thrive again. And I don't think that that would have ever happened had I not sought God in a in a community, in a church. I don't I don't believe you have to be in church Agreed. to experience God. I'm not saying that, but. I believe that there is a, a a profound experience when there's an anointing, and uh, in corporate worship, there's a there's a profound experience in that as well. Well, I think people misunder mis uh, understand the importance of friends walking through life with you, and I tell my kids all the time: your friends tell more about where you're going than where you are. Um, and that's why yes. at key stages in our lives, we have to let go of some people to embrace other people. Um, we're never going to yes. keep, I don't, ha- I still don't have my circle of friends that I ran with in high school, even though they were great friends during that time period. When you go to college, you've got to let go of the past so you can embrace the, the new that is coming. And I think that for some people, when we get hurt, we, we back away from everything Uh, and anything that represents um, in any way a deep relationship where we're going to have to um, invest something in another group of people. That's why I think church kind of gets thrown by the wayside at times. Um, And yet the real purpose of church isn't just the services. I mean, those are fun, but um, I know when I went through my renewal, I never thought I would ever say that I love going to church so I can go to lunch because I found so much in the relationships that I built with people within the church, um, that they actually helped pull me out of some of the dark places that I was in, in my own life. And I think that's, that's what happened with you. And I'm not saying that church fixes everything, but I'm telling you church can fix some things <laughs> and, um, because of the people right that are there if you get in great relationships uh, with with people. Um, you mentioned something a few minutes ago that I want to kind of backtrack to. Uh, I think I don't think people really understand the how damaging and healing words are, uh, whether it's as parents, the words that we say to our kids, how uh, how we are damaging or building them up in those moments. And those words stick in kids. I know that when I went through and still am going through, uh, the, the healing in my own life, um, a lot of times I have to go back and forgive people for words. They spoke to me when I was seven, eight, nine years old. 
I mean, words are powerful. Did you have to experience anything like that as well? Well, you can either bless or curse with words. That's, that's how we, that's how we receive those blessings or cursings. And when you've had people and, you know, I, I was married to a good man. We had a fairly good relationship, um, good marriage, but there were a lot of times when words would just cut me and, um, you know, it's like I said about reparenting. What's really strange about that is, um, you know, I remarried and he has respoused me <laughs> and his words have healed a lot of things, a lot of words that I had heard in my, in my, uh, in my other marriage. So words can build life or they can take life. Yes, they can. Um, you know, Jesus said, it, you know, when he was battling with the enemy, it was, it is written. And when we learn to speak words of life over our own selves and we, we declare what the word says about us, then that's where our life gets built. A lot of times it helps. I mean, it does help for, you know, people to say things and encourage you and, um, but the other side of that is you have to build that yourself by the word of God. I I have two or three books that I have that that are declarations of what the word says about me. Mm-hmm. And uh, that feeds me. It feeds my spirit. It it grows me in my identity and it causes me to be that person that can do that for someone else. Uh, one of the, one of the things that I think God has called me to do is to is to call out gifts in people. And I can, you know, see some things and I can say, well, you know, that in God's hands could be magnificent. Uh, you know, you are gifted in this or or you know, God has has anointed you for this. I mean, those things build us up. Right. Well, you just mentioned that you remarried and, uh, listeners, I know her husband and his name is Wayne and she, she did good. I mean, Wayne, Wayne's pretty cool. Um, but that, that brings <laughs> he is, up, he is a prince. <laughs> he is, he's a great guy, but that brings up two things. He I, want, I want you to talk into for a minute. First of all, to those that are listening who maybe they have lost a spouse or whatever and wonder if they can ever find love again. And if it could be even better than it was before, obviously for you, it was better. It was yes. different. Let's put it that it way. It was. But the better isn't, um, it may not even be in the difference in people that you marry. It may be in the difference in you. That is exact. That is so true because of what you've come through. Right. Because I'm not the person that I was when I was married before. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things that, that Wayne is, I mean, I, I said he is a prince is, Wayne is very, very supportive, and even in counseling, I, I counsel, you know, women by myself, but when I have a male, he comes in and counsels, and 
you know, he is very, very supportive. He's he's part of the ministry when, you know, of of recreation ministries. But he he's not threatened and he does he's not uh he doesn't have insecurities and things like that. So yeah, he's a different person, but I know I am. I am much more whole than I was in my other marriage. I'm much more um free than I was in my other marriage. So that in itself may may be the reason that second time around is great. <laughs> it's because when you deal with those things, you know, when you when you lose a spouse, you have to recreate who you are. Right. And you you have to you have to learn who you are. And I think in in being healed of the grief that I went through, it also, it also just changed who I was. So I don't know if that answers your question. No, you did. (laughs) But with this marriage and with your age, I'm sure you guys had kids, which brings up the whole idea of blended families. Um, There's probably some people that are listening that that's a reality for them. How has the blended family worked out for you? Well, we both got great kids. Um, and, you know, at the very beginning, it was, you know, kind of rough when, when we first started because nobody knew me and, and my family didn't know him. But um, both of our families were um, accepting. And... Uh, I think that that, you know, that that certainly helps. It It's hard at Christmas when you're trying to juggle because between the two of us, we have six kids and spouses and grandkids and, and great grandkids. There's 28. Wow. So, yeah. So doing Christmas is kind of hard, <laughs> but, um, I, I saw a, a sign the other day that said blended and blessed. Right. And and I think that depending on how accepting your kids are, that determines how blessed you can be in that relationship. I mean, they they obviously they respect Wayne. My kids respect Wayne. They have nothing but good to say about him. Um I've I've developed relationships with his kids and you know it it still all goes back to relationship how you do life with someone And maybe that's why so, for so many young people we struggle in this whole area of relationships because we haven't lived long enough to learn the value and relationships require deep forgiveness a short memory <laughs> And a, a long suffering that you walk through things, difficult things with people. That's the value of relationships. Every single one of us that's listening right now have relationships that mean the world to us. And those are probably going to be relationships that have gone through a fiery time or a dark time in in a time where maybe we thought that person was going to walk out on us and that they didn't. 
And because they stuck through it with us, um, that became a valuable relationship. And when we're younger, especially in our culture today, it's almost like you hit any kind of opposition within a relationship. Well, they bail on the relationship because they're looking for this perfect one. You know, this, this one that has no conflict or, or has no, no baggage. And yet we don't realize every one of us come into every relationship carrying the baggage from the previous relationship, whether it's a friendship or whether it's in, in this case, a marriage, we, we all have baggage that we've got to be willing, be willing to go through. So, um, so you came through your dark time, you lost a spouse, you've gained a spouse Um, and now you've got this huge family that you didn't have before, man, that's a great blessing in spite of the long journey that it took you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How have those things come into play in your counseling? Let's talk a little bit more about your counseling for a minute. Then I got another question I want to go to, but how does, does all of the life experience help you figure out those root hurts in people? Oh, definitely. But I, I, I sometimes question people who um, uh, counsel, and they don't, they can't relate. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's part of counseling is being able to relate. I mean, that's what relationship is is relating. But in in counseling. I, I, I can't, they can't tell me anything that I haven't experienced already. And because I've experienced it and I've come through it, you know, uh, it gives them hope and it sort of takes the edge off of confessing your sins and your faults and your shortcomings. When you know that that person has, knows where you're coming from, knows what, what it's like and and has been there, you know, I mean, nobody wants to have a relationship with a person that's perfect. I mean, really, um, or who has never had a problem in their life. I mean, I would probably say that that person was lying (laughs) (laughs) Or or very deceived. I mean, we all, we all have to come through life and life sometimes is not, is not nice, um, but definitely, I I I feel like God never wastes anything in your life. Totally. That no matter what you go through, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, that hat can be used in another in another situation. And I think the effectiveness of counseling is being able to come alongside, like we say the Holy Spirit does, it's to come alongside that person and walk and make that journey with them. And the only way you can do that is is, is in how you can relate to them. That's so true. In your counseling, obviously, as our listeners can tell today, we're both uh, Christians and we both believe in in the power of God and Christ um, and the Holy spirit to help us renew ourselves, that that really is the purpose of uh, being connected to God. Um, I am curious how much resistance have you gotten from people within church when um, 
you encourage them to go to counseling. Have you gotten any pushback? Um, from, encouraging people to go to, to go to counseling. Yeah, just, I get pushback from people. I get pushback from people in church who don't think that they, that counseling is of God, <laughs> that, that yeah. you need to, you know, you just need to, I, I used to really have a problem with Joyce Meyer because when she would tell, talk to people, she would, it sounded like she was saying, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get it done. And get on with it, you know, and that always bothered me because people can't, they have to, they have to be able to deal with their issues. And most people can't do that alone and they need another to walk with them and to look at these places. So, um, pushback from people, I, this is the, the word I get, oh, I've dealt with that. And uh, I think you and I had a conversation about this mm-hmm. where when I hear someone say, well, I've dealt with it, I, my next question is, you've dealt with it, but has the Holy Spirit done, dealt with it? Mm-hmm. Has has God healed it? Has God changed it? Uh, do you still feel it? Do you still, you know, are you still acting out of it? Mm-hmm. So there's a big difference between us dealing with it, but what that means is we are trying to handle the and change our behavior and, you know, keep a lid on it, so to speak. Right. So, uh, yeah, there, uh, there are a lot of people who, especially if I, if I'm counseling a woman in a, in a marriage, the wife in the marriage and the husband needs help. Most of the time, most of the time when I'm counseling someone, I would get a lot further along if I was counseling the spouse. If the spouse was sitting in that chair, I would, you know, I'd, I'd be able to get a whole lot further along sure. because that person that's sitting in that chair is been, has been broken by that relationship. So, yeah, sometimes it's difficult. Well, and I, it goes back to what I said earlier about if you really want to do the work, God sure. can heal. Well, I think that uh, if you're listening today, if there is any area in your life that you can look at yourself that you say, maybe maybe you fall into that category that uh, Miss Margaret was describing there of, well, I've dealt with that. Um, but yet, if you're still having those same issues, then you haven't really healed from it. You haven't really dealt with it. You might have dealt with the behavior but you probably haven't dealt with the hurt that's driving the behavior. And um, if there's ever a time in your life where you're imagining, man, what would life be like if I didn't have this thought or if I didn't have this hang up or if I didn't have this, this habit, then those are all things. Those are behaviors that are driven by a deeper hurt. And we can go introspective. We can all look inside. We can all um, uh, bend a knee and, and, uh, uh, pray to God and ask him to take these things away from us. But what we fail to understand is that when we have been hurt by people, a lot of times God is going to use other people to heal us of that previous hurt. And if we aren't willing to get other people in our life, whether that's in counseling or, or whether that's building relationships with people that, that earn the right to, to help you work through those things, um, isolation never heals anything. 
Um, the only way you heal anything is by hitting it head on. And if there is a part of you that's thinking, man, I really would love to live life like this. Well, man, you're speaking to that person inside of you that wants to be renewed and you need to begin to do some work to make that happen. You're not going to lose weight without changing your eating habits and increasing your exercise. It's just not going to happen. And you're not going to change who you are by ignoring the hurt that's brought you to where you are. Am I saying that correctly, Margaret? Yeah. Yeah. And you can, you can look at, you can use the same analogy. If you don't want to get the, if you don't want to do the exercise, if you don't want to spend the time in changing your thought life and, and what you put into your, into your thought life, then you're not going to have the results just like a diet. I mean, you know, you see diet, you see results when you change your, your eating habits. So you've got to change what's going in and you've got to exercise. You've got to, you've got to put the work in. You really, really do. Same. You really do. Um, uh, one more thing, uh, Margaret and her husband, Wayne, are also involved in a, a ministry that takes kind of counseling and um, some spiritual um, applications, and um, it's called Encounters. Why don't you talk about Encounters and what those are and how you got involved with them? Well, it goes back to shame, my shame. <laughs> um, I told you that I had carried that most of my life, and uh, we were asked by Lou Shirey, who is the director of uh, the prayer ministry and clergy development for the IPHC. We were asked by him to go to an encounter that was in Salem, Virginia. And we were going with the intent that maybe we could develop that in churches, uh, you know, us develop it. And so we went, and the first day that I was there, um, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and he said, are you here to learn about encounter or are you here to have one? And it just changed my perspective. And I went, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> I want to, I want to encounter God and I want to encounter God on a deep level. And I want to know that he's, that he's ministering to me. Yes. And so at one, we do different, um, interactive things. Uh, we burn things. We, um, we, we, uh, renounce things. We, uh, confess things. <laughs> and, uh, one of the things we do though, is we were asked to, uh, write on a piece of paper. One of the things that the enemy has always, you know, been able to attack us with, and something that, you know, we needed needed to be delivered of. And I wrote shame on my paper. And I, um, they had us nail them to a cross, a wooden cross. And I nailed mine at the very foot of the cross because that's where I always feel like I am when I'm, when I'm going to the cross. And um, later I had a vision and I saw the pedestal on the cross and the blood was dripping from the pedestal, and it was covering that sheet of paper that had shame written on it. And the next meeting that we were in, uh, they had 
taken that cross and all the papers that were nailed to it, and they had painted them red. And I saw just, you know, how the blood of Jesus covers our sins, our shortcomings, our failures. And I didn't recognize, I didn't realize when I was nailing it that it actually had a pedestal. I, I didn't think it had a pedestal. I just, but I realized that that vision was true. And in that moment, it was kind of like I, I've, I've talked about that shame coat um, was just removed. And I had waited all my life for that to happen. And that's kind of the thing that happens with encounter. It's, uh, you know, it's dealing with all the things that we've talked about today. And uh, it's healing damaged emotions. Uh, it's a two-day uh, event. We, we meet on Friday night and we go all day Saturday and into the evening on Saturday. And uh, what we do is we try to find churches who want us to bring that to them. And we, we bring all the, everything it takes to do an encounter into a church. Well, man, that sounds like an amazing um, weekend event. Um, do you have, do you see results out of those weekends? Oh, yes. Yes. We've, we've, we've seen lives changed. Um, I say that it's kind of like having three months of counseling crammed into two days. Yeah. It's all you can eat and three months of counseling because we just deal with all of those issues. And I think the interactive part just helps people to let go. And, uh, uh, all of our, all of our team is, uh, consist of people who have been through encounter and I think at this point we have I think 22 on our team and uh, they've all been through encounter they've all experienced healing all of the people that speak at encounter have had a tremendous amount of healing through encounter itself so their testimony isn't just encounter it's it's how Jesus can change us when we encounter God. Right. Well, we're going to um, have you back and uh, I want to talk a little bit more about encounter as well as we're going to hit some hot topic issues as we go forward. But I am so glad to have you today on this episode of renewed you. And I'm thankful that you're in my life and glad to introduce you to our listeners today. Margaret Howard is her name. Uh, She's in Oklahoma city. Margaret Claiborne. What did I say, Howard? Callahan. <laughs> Actually, it's Claiborne Callahan. Claiborne Callahan. <laughs> Margaret Claiborne Callahan. And uh, she's in Oklahoma City. Uh, she actually attends New Life Church, where I attend. And uh, she's a great lady. You're going to be hearing more from her and uh, as we move forward. As we wrap up today, I just want to uh, remind you, that uh, you need to be thankful for who you are. The journey of your life that's brought you to this point has made you who you are, both the good and the bad. But while you're thankful for who you are, keep fighting for who you want to be. Put in the work, change your mindset, get in relationships that will help make you into who you desire to be. That's how you live a renewed life. 
Once again, thank you for being with us today. I'm John Yule. Check us out at newlifeokc.org. We'll see you next time.